Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to No Laying Up Podcast. I'm Chris Solomon. Joining me for a second time in about two months. I hope we can keep this pace up. Do it about once a month. NLU co-founder Tron Carter. Tron just got back from spending the weekend down in Ponte Vedra at the Players' Championship. Uh, Tron, how are the allergies of Florida treating you? Uh, I feel like I've gotten just hit in the face with a sledgehammer. I mean, I'm shocked they let me fly yesterday. I uh, my my head could have exploded and just depressurized the plane. It's that bad. So I mean, the I don't think it helped that the TPC like basically sits in a swamp, like a like a reclaimed swamp. So I'm sure there's just are you all sorts of gnarly allergens. Are you sure you're not just allergic to Matt Kuchar backdoor top tens in your face? <laughs> that, that that's a possibility as well, but um, but yeah, I was uh, yeah I was in, I was in his presence a little bit too much this weekend. So the, well, so. I think you uh, you rewarded him. That must have been like one of the most fulfilling moments ever for you at a tournament. To uh, why don't you tell the story of what happened on eighteen T? Because uh, I know a lot of people heard it on the broadcast, but weren't sure sure who it was. Yeah, I uh, I'm not normally the I'm pretty I'm normally pretty a pretty docile guy <laughs> on the grounds, um, but my wife and I were kind of rolling around all day Sunday, uh, just sipping on some some good old Budweisers, and uh, yeah, so I just kind of I was following, we were following people. Um, you know, I stood behind nine T for a while, just chopping it up with people. Um, Rory was just looking super disinterested. So we head over to the back nine and, um, you know, stood on 16 T for a little bit. And then we were like, let's go over to 18 T like rolling to 18 T. We're just sitting, I'm like sitting there like right next to the T box, right where the fuzzy microphone is. <laughs> and, uh, and I just, I just, I just started, started, uh, you started calling your shot, though. You would tweet yeah. what you're gonna say. <laughs> yeah, the one, my my favorite one didn't even get on the broadcast. I guess it was uh, Ken Duke. I yelled, "God save the queen!" Um, For only only the longest term listeners of the podcast will understand that reference. But the story there is that our other NLU brother Phil used to think that just forever assumed that Ken Duke was British. Like, he just assumed he was British. Like, he has to be. And was shocked to find out that he's American. And so the joke has always been for us that he's still European. Like, that we're, that we're still, that Ken Duke is still European and not American. So that's why the God Save the Queen would have been hilarious. Yeah, so, Probably to me and Phil only would that have been funny, but. Yeah. We're always making jokes about, like, when the royal baby was born. It was a big day for Ken Duke. Or he's been all worried about the potential Brexit from the, uh. European Union, so that was a good one. Um, did Kucher? I I put him on blast on 16T, but it just wasn't quite loud enough. So I was just like, "All right, I'm gonna go for it." So I I yelled, "Lax pop can't play" on that one. Um, did, then, what was the reaction and, like around the tee, though? And really, I mean, I had so many people like tweeting me. I was shocked at how good the the, the cell reception was out there. I was shocked at how many people were tweeting me about his eagle putt on 16, which yeah. which I hadn't seen. But I guess he just just totally, you know, left it short, um, kind of babied it in. But but uh, I mean, the people were cool with it. We were sitting next to this dude that it's like an air, he's like an aerospace engineer. He he was cracking up. Um, so then I, I kind of got rolling, and then um, like. Like Roy, actually, Roy came through earlier, and I yelled "JP McManus" at him, <laughs> and then uh, and then Colt Nose came through, and uh, if you follow him at all on Twitter, you know his his nickname is Big Gravy. So that was uh, that was that was the one that that everybody seemed to 
really enjoy. That was a popular one, yeah. I think I tweeted the vine of... Uh, well, so what's funny is I was watching this actually at my Airbnb with two friends in Romania and watching it on my iPad and I, got, I saw your tweet that just said uh, Big Gravy. And so I said to them, like, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. I'm like, said to my friends, I'm like, all right, I'm re- going to record this right now because my friend is about to yell Big Gravy as soon as he hits the ball. And they kind of looked at me like, all right, yeah, I'm sure he is. Sure enough, Big Gravy! <laughs> Their faces were just completely shocked. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. <laughs> that was popular amongst the players. Duffner and Spieth both retweeted that one. So that, that was, uh, that was a, they both found that funny as well. So, yeah, it was, uh, I feel bad being that guy, but I figured if, if you got something good to yell. Yeah, that's, that's always been your case on that too, right? It's like the mashed yeah, like potatoes. Yeah, I always like the yeah. light the candle guy that did it at Olympic a few years back. Uh, mashed potatoes guy can just get the hell out of here. Yeah. That's, you know, but uh, I remember like there was one tournament where somebody yelled filet mignon <laughs> and then his friend yelled medium rare. Like I thought that was pretty good. If you've got a good one, like I'm all I'm all for it as well. Like I, if it makes me laugh, like skin the cat or something like that. Come on, like yeah. that, that works for me. And pray for Ted Scott will always be my favorite, obviously. But yeah, I was trying to get Bubba, but I just didn't. It just didn't line up. Yeah. So. Did you get? Did you see? Did Bubba see any of your no laying up gear and and uh, have you uh, been have you escorted yeah, off the premise? I was on seventeen at one point, but there's just so many people. Around yeah, there. it's just kind of. Um, but uh, but yeah, actually, the guy we were um, one of DJ's buddies uh, who was down there with this this guy Ray. He's he's I call him Big Play Ray. He's a uh, he's a New Jersey cop. The guy was just absolutely hilarious. He used to work for Golf Week. And uh, and he was just like he blew up. Um, what was that Duval? Duval was up in the booth, you know, in seventeen, and like just doing a segment. And he's like, "Yo, Double D, we love you, bro!" Like he's the biggest Double D fan. <laughs> um, and then like every time, every time someone would hit the ball in the water, he'd be like, "Sick, that was sick, man!" Like just love seeing carnage. So it was a great day out there on Saturday with him. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you uh, you were pretty adamant about you wanted the setup on Sunday to look a lot like Saturday. Um, you made the case pretty well as well as best you can in 140 characters on Twitter. But uh, what's I, I guess what is I don't really necessarily agree with that. But I'll let you say your your piece first. I didn't get to watch a lot of the action this weekend. First of all, so um, but what what about five and a half hour rounds on baked out greens on Saturday? Did you enjoy? Uh, well, I figure every week is pretty much five and a half hour rounds at this point, right? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't time the rounds. I don't know who these people are that do it. I just go off what I read on Twitter for how long it takes. But no, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think that's normal. It, it, was it threesomes though on Saturday? Uh, threesomes on Saturday, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, that yeah, contributes to it. So we yeah. got out there like new, we got out there like 11 maybe. And, um, and yeah, we were... It was kind of humid in the morning, and then a breeze blew in. Like, Shackelford was talking about it, and he was like, yeah, breeze blew in, and it just got super dry. And you could literally see the color of the greens changing. Yeah. You could see some fire in them. Um, and, it was, and that was actually the day where, like, you know, all the, aller- like all the dust and stuff is coming up from the pine straw. So I think that's the day that I just got wrecked <laughs> with allergies. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, like, we went out, we followed – uh, we followed the landlord, Harold Varner the uh, Third, for a bit. On uh, or th- there was another guy on Twitter this weekend that that, that suggested we call him the HVAC technician. That works. Um, but um, but yeah, we followed him, Keegan and Oosthuizen for a bit, and we followed them to like four, and then four is just the most outrageous little green. Um, so you know it was cool to see. Um, you know, I mean, the ball was just starting to like guys could barely, barely stop it down the slope on that one. Um, Johnny Vegas had like the most ridiculous up and down, and then we went over, we went over to the back, uh, followed him on eight a little bit, and then we went over to the back, we went over to seventeen, like sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, and you could tell like on seventeen, guys were, guys were spinning the ball back from the top shelf on seventeen, and just it was like it was so much fun to watch. Because you know we were we were betting like crazy on you know on, on who was going to be closest and uh, and yeah I mean there was there were some guys where tap ins were were like you know ten footers I mean there was just 
there was just so much fire in the greens. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if the if the tour cha- or if the players championship wants to be, it's kind of like they have this chip on their shoulder. They want to be, you know, the fifth major. Then don't you know? Don't shy away from making the course really difficult. Yeah, um, I mean, I have absolutely no problem with the difficult setup, but I think uh, people lose a bit of perspective when you use when people use the word fair. Uh, fair in that everyone is playing the same golf course. I understand that, so everyone's facing the same conditions. But it becomes to a certain point where it's not a test of talent. Like I don't think putting on those greens or stopping ball on those greens. And again, I I, I did not see a single shot on Saturday, but. Um, putting in, I, I'm sorry, I did see the very end of it, but yeah, putting on those greens and playing on those greens, that's not, I don't think that's a good test of golf. I don't, I, I think it's kind of like what happened at Chambers Bay last year in the opposite sense. I mean, those greens were slow, but bumpy and like cauliflower or whatever Henrik Stenson called it. It's like, I don't think that's a good, a good test, a way to test your players. I mean, I don't necessarily, I, I don't need to see a birdie fest every weekend, but I don't mind seeing guys tear the course up. I think it was probably set up a bit too easy on Thursday, Friday, but I, I just don't, the course to me is the setting, right? And it should be, the action kind of plays out the way it plays out. Um, it doesn't need to, it, with the, the distance these guys hit the ball and how good they are now, it's it's so difficult to balance that line between being too easy and being too hard that at a point that's not fun or, or really that fair, you know? Yeah, I think my thing goes back to the, the date change, too. Like yeah. There used to be, I mean, this is probably the longest week of the year. Like, this is probably the firmest, or one of the firmest weeks of the year at TPC. Yeah. Whereas when they used to have it in March, it was it was a lot more damp and there's, you know, they could grow the rough up a little bit more and have that, you know, and so, so that seemed like it was just kind of, that was one of the reasons these guys were just, just bringing the course to its knees. You know, there was always some conditions factors. But do you like the spot in the schedule? Otherwise, do you think the players are good? Yeah, I I do too. I think it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it Um, it gives you something to look forward to between the masters and the U S opens. That's like your longest gap in major season between big events. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I thought, I mean, I've got a, you know, I think too, like the, I didn't think the greens were, I mean, I know, you know, the players were pissed, but like, I didn't think they were completely unfair. Just, just standing out there watching it. I didn't realize until later on that night that it was like, whoa, this is, you know, people are pissed, but like watching it, it was just, you could tell it was a lot firmer and faster and, and more difficult, but, but it really wasn't, you know, it didn't appear to be just totally out of sequence to the yeah. AI. Yeah, I think, but I mean, they even admitted, though, that it got out of hand. And the players were yeah. saying, I mean, I'm sure they, they exaggerate. They're saying they were rolling like 16, 17 on the stamp and <laughs> yeah. faster than Augusta, which, I mean, the, I mean, there were so many three putts on Saturday. Sergio had a five putt. Like, it just Yeah, didn't... I was sitting there and I saw Sergio. I was like, I thought that was going to be a typo or something on the <laughs> shot tracker. I was like, oh my God, that was, that was incredible. Um. Yeah, uh, it, 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 I don't know. This was kind of a mess. That, that to me, I kind of took away from the week. It's like, I, I, I mean, yeah, day. It didn't really end up affecting the tournament. Day was going to win anyways, but um, it's I don't know. It just kind of made it a distraction from otherwise what I thought would have been a good tournament. I mean, what Day was doing yeah. was really special, and Rory making a run at him on Friday like he did. I mean, that was cool. I don't think. I mean, yeah, a course doesn't have to. A course can be relatively easily and still be a good tournament. I think and be a, a, yeah, a fun. That's event. for sure. So, Actually, probably on the weekend it would have been better served to be easier, so guys had more of a shot at yeah. at chasing. You know what I mean? Can we so. talk about Ken's Duke sixty five on Saturday though? Yeah, dude, it was like inspired. <laughs> there were there were Ken Duke roars. <laughs> God I mean, save the queen. It's like a it's like a tiger roar, but. The Prime Minister of our hearts, Ken Duke. It, I think he did benefit from the Order of the Nines that he played. Um, in that he was, he uh, it seemed like the back got, is what got really, really hard when he was on the when he was on the front. But I should not I should not be diminishing what he did on, on that sixty five at all. But um, I want to ask you. I just talked about this a little bit with Bacon actually on his podcast. In that, um, looking at what Jason Day has done in the last you know, let's say year plus. Are you, and I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm as guilty of it probably as anyone else I'm, uh, out there. I'm saying, are you kind of surprised that people aren't more excited about what he's doing or, or that people aren't making a bigger deal out of seven wins and 17 starts? 
I'll be the first to admit I'm not excited about it at all. But um, why is that? I'm kind of the same way. I just way. don't care for – it's just like I think a part of it is most of the tournaments he's won have been completely anticlimactic. Um, yeah. So I think that plays a that plays a part when kind of people kind of tune out for the weekend a little bit, um, you know. And I just I don't know. I really like, for instance, my my least favorite tournament of the year last year was the PGA at Whistling Straits, where you can just take it over the dog leg as far as you wanted to. Like I just I didn't think there was any artistry to that or yeah. any like you know the guy I I think he's a great guy I think he, but his pre shot routine bothers the shit out of me. Um, you know, I think he takes everything a little bit too seriously, and and I just don't, you know, I just, I'm just not passionate about the guy. He doesn't arouse anything in yeah. my loins. In my loins. <laughs> um, okay, I don't know how to recover from that. Uh, I, I mean, I feel the same way, but I just feel like um, I often get um, upset. I don't know if upset's the right word, but I get annoyed by the people that, you know, when presented with a good thing, like... Um, are so quick to tear it down, right? As soon as Speed falters, we're talking about what's wrong with Jordan Speed, blah, blah, blah. And here I am, you know, with this guy that is dominating in a way that I don't think we've seen. It's arbitrary numbers, seven wins out of 17 starts, but I don't think we've seen anyone in your and I, our lifetimes that's done that other than Tiger. Tiger did it seven times, uh, but uh, I mean, Phil never did this, right? VJ never did this, what, anything what like that. What about VJ? Yeah. Because like, VJ that's what the Bacon one said. like, what, 10 wins or something? That's what Bacon said. I don't know what. Um, uh, I, can, I can look up VJ's. Is that like 2004? I think so. He had a ridiculous. It was like. Uh, was it 2004 or like 2008 or something like that? He, he had the, the highest earning season of all time. Tiger doesn't even have the highest earning season of all time. I would have bet yeah, my but, life yeah, on that. Yeah, but VJ has to, has to tithe like 10% to Tiger. That's true. In the Tiger tax. Everyone knows that. Um, let's see. 2008, he won one, two, three. Okay, that's not the year I'm thinking of then. Maybe it was 2004. He won, he won the PGA that year, didn't he? Okay, 2004. Holy, holy shit, he won the Chrysler Championship, the 84 Lumber Classic, the Canadian Open. Um, he won the Deutsche Bank Championship. He won the PGA Championship and the Buick Open. That was all from July 29th through October 31st. He also won the HP Classic of New Orleans, the Shell Houston Open, and the AT&T Pebble Beach National Pro-Am. Okay, so maybe VJ maybe Singh did do this. Let's count it. One, two. I just, I mean, VJ, the fact that he's even playing in the 84 Lumber Classic at that point in his career, like, that's so admirable. They must have, like, a huge range there or something. Like, that's the only reason why he commits to events. <laughs> we, it was funny. We, we were out there Saturday, um, and I look over at the backside of the range, and I'm like, there's, so, there's like, one dude out there just grinding, and it's hot out. Saturday was, like, almost 90. And, and like midday, there's somebody just out there grinding on the back of the range, and I was like, "Man, is that like VJ's son or something <laughs> out there?" Just you know, because like all the all the players were out there. I'm sure it was some Web.com guy, you know, that, that's got privileges out there playing too. But it was just kind of like a stark realization that whoa, like you know, dudes are just out here on this range grinding, just like it's their home course during the tournament. Yeah, kind of cool. He uh, okay, so he did win seven out of seventeen times and eight out of eighteen times. So Day's got to win the next one to match that streak, and then one next one. So he won nine times in two thousand four. So what's the but, deal? Is Day, is Day playing it? Is he playing it? Byron Nelson? Uh, no, he's not. I don't. Is he believe. playing Colonial? I do not know. I would think not. I don't think he's played that in the past. He's got to play Memorial, and he'll be off yeah. for Memphis, and then obviously the U.S. Open. So, um, is Spieth going Byron Nelson, Colonial, Memorial off in the Open. Is he four in a row? Yeah, I think he is. I think that was the yeah. reasoning behind taking the month off and doing SB two K. I'm kind of convinced he may have he may have missed the cut intentionally. The players. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say. I don't think he was too torn up about missing the cut, though. Yeah. Well, and so the other thing, and this was kind of the the chatter uh, early in the week was like the just how tense it was between Greller and Spieth. Yeah, did you notice any of that while you were there? Uh, we followed for a little bit on Saturday morning when they went back out, and you know, Spieth was like four shots outside the cut. Yeah. He was kind of 
he was grinding a little bit, but but yeah, it seemed a little frosty between the two of them. That, um, that's what I've, I've. You're not definitely the first person to mention this, and I haven't gotten to watch or see really any of it lately. But um, it does. That's what I'm trying to figure out. It's like, is this a new thing, or is this a we see all of speed shots on TV thing now, and we're just now noticing? Yeah. It? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seemed like there was less dialogue, and the dialogue there was was just. He seemed to be not incredulous. At some of his, but he like just definitely just second guessing the shit out of what Greller was. I think was, he. I heard he said pulling. once, like um, he, he's like, I don't know what the exact quote was, but really, that's the club or something like that. After or something like, not even close to the right club or something like that. They got caught on the mics, um, which I just like conveniently ignored for Twitter purposes, of course. But uh. <laughs> and then Greller was wearing, he was wearing a red version of the Under Armour. Braided belt, the LPCP belt, oh, no. which was just—I was just appalled by. All right, so, are you more upset about Speed's belts or the jogger phenomenon? The jogger phenomenon. I mean, even Rory was wearing the joggers this weekend, which was just abysmal. It's—it's um, it's heartbreaking. It's so bad. It's yeah. so bad. Thank you, God. And those shirts too. That shirt he was wearing, like the—the the collarless shirt, and they're—he's got it unbuttoned about. Two buttons too deep, and it just seems like a little baggy on him. It, I mean, it almost looks like one of those shirts you wear at like when you're getting a physical, like one of those <laughs> hospital robes. Open in the back. Yeah, it's just it's oh, it's god awful. I'm okay. I don't mind the shirts. I just god the, the jogger thing. It's like. Uh, it it worries me. I've had to be. Crit- I don't like. I'm never, I'm very not critical of Kepka and and Rory, and I've had I have no choice but to disagree and 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 uh, and hate on this because like I said, I'm 29 years old. I'm not that old. This is just this just seems ridiculous. Like I don't know what I don't know what they're going for here. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm sure the sponsors are driving it, but still. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. They're yeah. trying, to, trying to sell some merch. I actually didn't have a problem with Rory's shoes though. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not that big into fashion to begin with. I just I think I like to it, it, to make fun of the easy to make fun of fashion choices and Will yeah. Wilcox using a, a yellow ball. That's easy to make fun of as well. But um, I don't I don't pay much attention to shoes or anything like that unless they're whatever Ricky Fowler wore on Thursday, which were look like a freaking <laughs> toucan. Is terrible. So Kucher one day I think this was either Saturday or Sunday. I think it was Saturday. He was wearing. Like black shoes, bunch of blue. He had some brown in there. It was like a just a fashion holocaust. I mean, it was awful. What did um, uh, what did what did your wife have to say about her his shoes? Oh, she's firmly on board with <laughs> the you know. And Sketcher's stock price has gone down since I blew them up <laughs> on Sunday. Can't so. be a coincidence. That's no no coincidence there. Oh man! Uh, but oh, actually, funny story here. So, um, big play Ray was on the flight back to. Um, not sure if he flew flew into Philly or Newark, but uh, he was on the flight back and he was sitting behind Mike Davis. Okay. From the USGA. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Davis was on the phone with somebody from the PGA Tour, assuring him. That what what happened at Shinnecock was ten times worse than what happened on, on Saturday with the players. <laughs> he was just like reassuring the heck out of the guy and all that. It was um, two thousand four. The that, blow by blow. Is that 04? Yeah, 04. Yeah, Retief yeah. Goosen. Yeah, yeah, the goose man. Was Davis so, in charge then? Um, I think he was. That might have been one of his first. First, uh, he may have been, let's see here. I feel like he was brought in after that because that's when things started to really get like kind of zanky and he was the guy that was bringing in all these new courses and Marion and all that all that stuff, but I, I could be wrong. But, um, let's see here. Because I think he was the course setup guy and then he, he became the executive director. Um, let's see here. He was, in 1997, he was named U.S. Open Championship Director. Oh wow! He's been around that long. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, but yeah. So he, I guess he assumed the responsibility as senior director of rules and competitions in 05. So I'm not sure what the difference between those two positions is, but um, okay. 
yeah. Um, are you pumped, or what have your? Uh, do you know much about Oakmont in general, or you think it's a good U.S. Open venue? Are you excited for the I U.S. Saw, Open? I saw. I'm pumped. Yeah, I think it looks just fantastic. Um, I was looking at uh, some of JT and Ricky and Smiley's snappies earlier this week and last weekend. Yeah, the place looks just minty. I, am I am I wrong in finding all of like when those three are together? I know it's been way overblown, but finding that just horribly entertaining every time you every, like, every time you click on their Snapchats. I think Smiley needs to add to his repertoire, though. Yeah, a little bit. Well, wait. Well, uh, what do you mean? Just what his sayings, or it, just going to the Conic- yeah, he's, going he's to the Conic- Minolta. The same little, you know, commentator stick. Yeah. I did like the Chiquita banana slice that he threw in. There. Yeah, that was solid. That was <laughs> um, solid. Yeah, but Smiley got is kind of like underrated. I guess I never knew much about him. Um, he won in Vegas last fall, but I I was not really paying much attention to golf at that time, and I just didn't. I thought he was kind of a boring guy until the SP two K stuff, and now like I can't get enough of Smiley. I actually. Uh, I shot him. I'm, I'm hoping it's okay if I mention DMs on on the air, but I had shot him a message about because uh, I was pre- I was making fun of Jim Nance a lot for like his interview that he gave Smiley the night before the final round of the of the Masters, where he just shamed him and and so I made I made fun of that a lot, and then so I, I messaged him. I was like, hey, we were you know we want to hear about. SP2K, uh, do you want to come on the podcast? And he just replies, I got to check with my mom first. (laughs) (laughs) So I I will say, out at Oakmont, those three, they were wearing, like, especially JT and Smiley, they were wearing some of the freshest shoe, pants, polo combinations. They were twins. They were dressed, they were dressed, it was scripted, it it looks like. It was sweet. JT brings so, a strong shoe game into, into the oh, into the repertoire. Absolutely. Uh, he's not wearing any any high tops and joggers. If you do, JT, it's gonna be it's gonna be an issue uh, on this end. Full disclosure. Um, no, but I, I think I think Oakmont's gonna be a really good test. Just watching those guys put those greens though has me a little worried. Um, it's got to be pretty tough for them to get that. Like I was saying earlier, get that to be the right amount of challenge and fairness because. Hitting just some of those eight footers that they're they're aiming four feet right of the hole and trying to dying in. It just like it. They those guys might be out there a long, long time. I used to be very much into the whole. You know, I like watching the PGA Championship more because it's because they go low, or I like you know I like the when the Masters went low. But I've kind of come to like the fact that the U.S. Open. I like it when when they make the course just incredibly difficult every few years yeah i mean but that's what back to my point as i was saying though is with how good these guys are now it's just so hard to make it really really hard right and then you're really just eliminate you're chopping off even more of the field that can't compete in these things if you if you just keep lengthening it and if you play whistling straight to 7800 yards like looking back i think the answer is lengthening no but but i mean like what they the thing that challenges guys the most is is hard greens hard and fast greens where you can't stop the ball near the hole but then it just becomes a chipping contest and it's i don't know that just doesn't that just doesn't seem that fun to me i want to when somebody's trailing i want to at least have the that's what makes augusta so perfect is they just have the right amount of risk reward and challenging like par four and a half par three and a half holes or whatever that make it uh they are true like make or break holes on the way in like in general 13 15 and 16 are just holes you should you need to birdie on Sunday and 14 with that favorable pin position, you know, the guys, it really does draw a good line between what birdie and par is. And, you know, when it's between, when it's between par and bogey at the U S open, it's not, not as interesting to me. And uh, I just, but in general, I think par is way overblown, especially when it comes to the U S open, like they could easily just change some of these 500 yard holes into par fives. And the scores would look in, incredibly lower, even though it's the same exact golf tournament. Yeah, but I mean, it's just a perception thing. Yeah, that, you know, um, I I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing like four foot high rough, four, just like four foot high like rough. no no second cut or anything like that. Just go from the fairway <clears> to like four foot high rough. But remember, I'd be like Tory was it last year or um, sometime in the last couple of years? I remember you were commenting on Tory Pines when they grew the rough out. How boring that tournament was, though, because. It's just gouge it out of the rough and back into the fairway. I, I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, but that, but some of that too is because Tory's kind of geared towards being 
you want to see guys make birdie there. Whereas mm-hmm. at Oakmont, I just want to see carnage at Oakmont. <laughs> You're out for and these blood. guys take it so low, like the 30 other tournaments of the year. Let's just have one that's just just straight up grinders. Yeah. No, I, grinders. I, I agree. I, but I, I want it to be consistent. So I, 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 you said that this weekend about, about Sawgrass as well, but I just didn't, you know, another complaint the players had was that the putting green didn't match the speed of the greens on the course. And I just didn't agree with, you know, make it super easy for two days and then ridiculously difficult. Yeah. For the third that was, day. that's, yeah. yeah I mean, if, if you're going to do it, make it hard. All, all yeah. Days. Make it consistent. And it's just hard yeah. with a full field to really do that with the time constraints you have as well. So, so but, but yeah, I'm overall pumped for Oakmont. I think it's a full grown man course. And, uh, and you know, the fact that it, it really doesn't have, you know, I don't think there's a single water hazard on it. You know, there's a couple like dry ditches, but, um, but yeah, I think that'll be that'll be kind of kind of cool to see. And it looks, it look, you know, based on my what I've seen of it, it looks a little bit linksy too. You know, not many trees out there, just kind of a, you know. So if the if the wind gets up one day, it could be just just a, you know. 100 car pile up. Yeah. What I didn't like from those Snapchats I saw was every time they were showing JT hitting an approach shot, it was from at least one fairway left of the hole that he was playing. <laughs> Which, uh, but I, I mean, so what did you, I didn't I get to see a lot of him or really until the finish on Sunday, but it was noted on Twitter that he's putting for the conventional style again. Did you see him earlier in the week at all? Was he putting conventional the whole week? I didn't. I got out there. Uh, I I didn't go out till I really didn't watch too much of it on Thursday or Friday. I had to work, and then um, you know, I'm fortunate not like I did the kind of job where I was down there, so I was working from down. But at the same time, I was I was working my real job, and um, so I really didn't get out till till Saturday morning. And really, I can't tell who's like I I can't even keep track of who's who's putting normally and who's putting cross-handed and who's putting with the claw. And, when those butt heavies are flowing, yeah, I'm sure that's not a priority item for you. <laughs> yeah. So I will say who I was impressed with was uh, followed Bernhard Longer for – followed like DB Straight Vibin and Bernhard Longer and, and – uh, Bernhard Longer was else? playing in that event? Yeah, man. He was like – I think he finished up right around even. I mean he was holding his own. No way. He was just – yeah, he was just smoking it right down the middle. The guy's a savage. <laughs> That's actually probably a really good course for him, actually, now that I think about it. But all right, uh, we got a lot of good questions again. I, I think it's—I don't know what it is. Whenever I mention that you're going to come on, we get—I think—the best questions of anyone I get coming on the podcast. But uh, Ken Ryan is the first to ask, and I, I think we've touched on this already. But uh, a better look: U.S. team in all joggers or Euros in, in Justin Rose shades? Uh. I mean, better look for. Is it? I don't know if it's a, the question should be phrased as what's a worse look? Maybe the U.S. team yeah. in all joggers or the Euros in, in Justin Rose shades. I don't know. Seeing like Mickelson in joggers would be <laughs> that would be fantastic. That I probably would never want to see. So but that would be that such would... easy material. Like I would, I would use that meme like at least once a month for the next two years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it, it all depends on. What you're how, going for? How short, how short your memory is? Because yeah, I mean those those Justin Rose shades, and I guess I'd like to see the, the, the Euros in those, just because they look awful. Yeah. You know? oh, also, like there's a story too uh, on the Euro subject. Somebody was in the in the clubhouse, like kind of walking through the clubhouse, and there was these two kids, and they were just like just like the sister was just beating up on the little brother and they were just like the two whiniest kids in the world turns out they were Poulter's kids <laughs> <laughs> so and I guess I guess he was just like just not suitable for work on the uh, on the tournament officials afterwards just MF this you know I'll see you MFers next year da, 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 da. that doesn't sound like Ian Poulter to me I don't, know, this <laughs> still, I don't think this story checks out um, all right, Car for the Course wants to know, would you rather be a major winner with LPCP affiliation or a bomb threat who consistently comes close? And for first-time listeners, LPCP means lax pop, can't play. And a bomb threat is essentially like Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Like or, DJ. Exactly. He is the quintessential bomb threat who consistently I, comes close. 
I would much rather be a bomb threat. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, do you want to be Mike Weir or do you want to be DJ? It'd be nice to go to the Champions Dinner every year, but you also, I don't know, if I was a, this may sound ridiculous, I wouldn't want to be a winner that, and I'm not saying Mike Weir's not respected amongst his peers, but in general wouldn't feel worthy of being in that company. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, this week, Mike Weir's last hurrah down at the Byron Nelson. I'm just praying to God that he does not, you know, I think last year he played pretty, was last year or two years ago, he played really well there. Um, you know, just hitting like these hilarious three woods off the tees, but um, but yeah, I'm just just so thankful that that his exemptions finally run out. Are we gonna do like a Sarah McLaughlin montage for? We should. Year? That would be phenomenal, right? Uh, I mean, you could just do it scrolling down his his list of results. I will remember <laughs> you. So long, Mike. Um, you can't go out and compete on the PGA Tour if you're gonna hit it 260. Um, I don't feel bad. He knows that the shape his game is in, and still goes out and tees it up and takes a spot from someone every week. So and then withdraws. Then withdraws. That's it's just insulting. I, I I mean, what Dari Vanderwall or whatever called him out for it is the first person to call him out for it, and it's about time somebody stands up and, and calls him out. So um, yeah, it's the end of the road. Steve Flesh is looking for a spot this week, and Mike Weir's taking man. it up. Get him in. Get him in. Get him in. All right, um, so yeah, you decided you're going to go with Dustin Johnson's career over Mike Weir, despite the non-green jacket, which I don't disagree Absolutely. with. Yeah, we'll get, some, we'll get some hate on that one, that's for sure. Canadians get so mad at me every time I talk about Mike Weir. Uh, oh, God, I got, uh, you, you loved my, uh, you saw my tweet on, you know, I was calling May, Mayhan a had-been, basically, yeah. has-been, and uh, I included Olafabo in that, Uh you know, it's six wins and the Europeans. I saw you got some serious flack on that one. out. Oh my! It's like, all right, do you under, you, you do understand that I'm talking PGA Tour wins, right? Like, I'm not going to make a spreadsheet and download European wins and PGA Tour and add them up. Like, I'm talking about the PGA Tour. All right, they're not equal. Uh, I'm not. I, I, we don't talk about the European Tour on this podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I got I got upset. I got really. Upset. I just love that. I love that you included Mayhan. Well, I just I, literally I just went to the PGA uh, Wikipedia page for multiple winners and look, gave everyone that had a significant name that had six wins. I put that in there. That's all I did. <laughs> but yeah, he's done. Man's toast. Um, also, yeah, Clubhouse lead comments. This isn't a question, but he says Tiger rinsed three wedges, but he still won more recently than Keegan Bradley. People forget that. Is that even true? Uh, I think it is actually. When did Keegan yeah, win the Bridgestone? Because Big Cat won. Did Big Cat win the 14 players? Is that his last win? No, he won the 13 players. His last win was Bridgestone. Like in 13, I thought. Let's see. Keegan Bradley. I've kind of secretly been hoping Keegan loses his card this year. Yeah. Can he do that? It was interesting following. Yeah, I think this is the after, after this year. This is Because his five years from the PGA Championship is up this year. His last win was the Bridgestone in 2012. Wow, he's right. Okay, so Tiger's won a year more recently than Keegan Bradley has. Yeah. Um, but he fired his caddy. That was clearly what was costing him. Definitely wasn't the belly putter rule. So, <laughs> why don't we like? I don't. I, don't, I just don't. I, I don't like Keegan. I don't know why though. I and mean, he's just he's just punchable. I can't get over the pre-shot routine. Yeah. Although I, I give him a lot of credit, he sped it up. Yeah. A ton. Uh, has he sped it up or do they just not show him on TV anymore? No, I followed him for a few holes. He's, okay. he's sped it up. Um, sure. I mean, he's like twice as fast as he was before. Rich Nymphy wants to know, was Tron the one, one who screamed, Lax Pop can't play at Cooch on his 18T on Sunday? He absolutely was. I, uh, and honestly, man, I felt like I was going to get, because I kind of took a picture of myself right in front of the first tee, or the 18T there, and I felt like I was going to get sniped off, kind of like that, that little vine that you created a few months back, where like I thought one of Finch, Finchham's henchmen was just going to come down, and, you know. I, I, and think you, uh, I think you did cost me, me uh, the media credential for the memorial. I think I think <laughs> if anyone goes back on the Twitter timeline, I think that might have... Uh, let's be honest, there's plenty of stuff on there that would cost us that credential, but... Um, uh, okay, Sarah Endicott, friend of the podcast, 
Which LPCP player would be the worst case scenario for winning the U.S. Open? Um, that's a tough one. That's a broad one. Kucher. Yeah, I guess right. if we're going strictly LPCP, for your case, it would be Kucher. I would never be Mayhan, Kucher maybe. winning. I, I despise Mayhan's game. Um, I just don't, I despise Mayhan because he likes Colin Coward. Like it just it just makes me upset. I don't know why that makes me so upset, but like I just despise Mayhem because I always I just feel like his swing is swing just doesn't agree with me, and I just don't feel like he I don't feel like he cares about playing golf. Like, I feel he, like it's just is Mayhem in the U.S. Open? That's a good question. I don't know under he can't be. I don't know what he'd be qualified under. He won, didn't he? Win last year? No, he won last year two years ago at. He won Plainfield, or yeah, he, he won, won in the playoffs Barclays, two right? years ago, and then like missed the cut every tournament after that. I'm pretty sure. No, he's not. He, he's not top sixty in the world. I don't think that'd be ridiculous if he was. Um, and he's not a past champion. Past champions don't even get in the U.S. Open. No, he's ranked 128th in the world. Man, he was once ranked fourth in the world. That's ridiculous. I mean, he can still qualify, I guess. Yeah, he'd have to qualify. Last year at the U.S. Open, he was 38th ranked player in the world. Right now, he's 128th. I tell you who I like for the U.S. Open. I think he's a, I think he's a dark horse, strong dark horse. I don't even know if he's in, but if he's in, I like him a lot. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I don't think this is right. But I was gonna guess DB Straight Vibin. No. Yeah. Um, I think Ryan Palmer. Okay. I really, I just. I don't know. I've always loved his game, but he's, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it, it sets up well for him if he can keep the ball between the, the uh, mayonnaise and the mustard. mustard. I, think he's... I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Sergio. Yeah, of course you would. Um, yeah, I think, uh, it's Kutcher's, that's a fine answer for LPCP. I think the worst, worst overall case scenario would be Bubba. Oh, Poulter. Pul- Right? Yeah, that would be worse. Is Poulter even in? Why would he be in? I don't see how he would be. Yeah. Um, I forget who pointed this out to me, but I love how uh, you know Rory decided to play the French Open instead of Bridgestone this year, <laughs> and how like Luke Donald and Ian Poulter chime in like, "See you there, Rory!" Like as if they had an option. Like they're not they're not in Bridgestone. <laughs> they have no choice what they're playing that week. <laughs> see. Luke Donald's one of the guys that I just I feel bad because he's LPCP because he seems like such a cool guy. Yeah, I got no I got no problem with Luke Donald. He's a he's a he lays up, but I mean that guy gets the maximum amount that he, or he used to get the maximum amount out of his game. He shouldn't be going for par fives and two. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah, if he can't get there. Yeah, we don't. Speaking of not being able to get there, Zach Naren wants to know: Cold Nose laying up from two fifty six on (laughs) sixteen on Sunday. Discuss. Uh, I I think you tweeted something where he had the on on. He laid up on eighteen too, right? Oh, I don't know if he did on eighteen. I tweeted the 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 yardages or whatever the shot by shot that he did on sixteen because yeah he laid up from that was on sixteen that was on sixteen yeah. I misread that and thought it was on 18. Yeah. I was like, whoa, he was really playing for that third place money. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, those guys were playing for so much money last week. So much money. <laughs> so, like, yeah, uh, I mean, he had to know he couldn't run Jason Day down. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you can say you don't know that. He would have had to go eagle birdie birdie to really feel like he had a shot. I mean, but it's just like. You played so well to get yourself in that spot. You've got that shot, right? You don't have to clear any water to get there. You just got to not go right. You've got that shot in the bag. I know he's one of the shorter hitters actually on tour, but guy can hit a three wood two hundred and fifty six yards. He can cover that distance. Yeah, that's that's what made me upset about it. And it was just to play for play for second place, which again he probably should have been playing for second place. I'm not hating on that. Just like you got that shot in the bag. If it was two eighty. 270, or if he had to clear some kind of water, I'd understand it. But 16, there's not that much risk in going for it. You just just can't go right. I know it's easier said than done, but these guys are really, really good, and they can usually keep themselves from going right. So at the end of the day, too, though, I mean, you know, if you feel like you're going to bail out left, why not, you know, play to a yardage? What did he end up making on 16? Five. 
He made five. Okay. Um, so then. I waited till he made five before I tweeted it. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay. Chris. Chris, (laughs) I did not read the last name before I started this. Chris Titzinger. Better nickname, Big Gravy or Beef? Big Gravy. Oh, man. That's a great nickname. Um, Bigger, uh, Ian Sweeney, bigger fashion upset, Ricky's mismatched shoes or Rory's joggers and Air Maxes? Uh, I just, I just like, I despise Rory's entire catalog of everything that he wears. Really? I like other the blue than, other stuff. Than when he just goes all black. Yeah. I just, I'm just, I just don't like Nike golf stuff. I love Nike. Everything else, I just don't like Nike golf stuff. I like their solid colors, the non-neon colors, um, and I like a lot of the blue stuff that he wears. Uh, when he like, you know, I love blue, but when he wears the blue shirt and the blue kicks, I'm all, I'm all in on that, but. Um, yeah, I think he's just got to keep it simple. He's got like the grit, the like one of the best physiques in golf for modeling golf clothes. As weird as that statement yeah. sounds, uh, he's just got to keep it simple. I don't, I don't care that much about the collarless shirts or whatever. But um. oh, I got so this when we were out there on Saturday, we were we were watching DJ play, play seventeen, and uh, and the other DJ says he, he says best best quote from a like best piece of sports writing I've ever heard. I, I didn't know where he was going to go with this. And he gave me a quote that Jim Moriarty wrote about DJ. He said, he walks with the gait of an oily jungle cat. <laughs> and I thought that was the most perfect description of him. I forget. I tweeted something about wishing, of all the things I wish I could have of PGA Tour players, it would be Dustin Johnson's walk. And somebody replied with something like that, and it was uh, – it may have been that exact one, but I was like, oh, damn, I wish I would have thought of that. That's such a good quote. <laughs> and then it was crazy. We followed Kevin Chapel for a little bit, and Chapel is like – he's like if you combine Ryan Moore and kind of his physique with DJ's mannerisms, and you would, you would have Kevin Chapel. <laughs> like if you ever – next time you watch Kevin Chapel play – just big randy's it's it's uncanny big randy's tweet on chapel from a couple weeks ago did you see that it just refreshed me he was like um eventually like chapel's not even gonna have a backswing it's just gonna be like the golden it's just like playing golden tea where you just do like the one big follow-through something like that i was i lost it we need to get big randy tweeting like on a daily basis yeah um, yeah, Randy's got some got some good material. I'm convinced he would be the absolute best at this. But all right, uh, Chris Cheney at wrong underscore fairway. Worst narrative going: Spieth poor ball striker, Rory's worse cross handed. Guys are too good of friends or other. Uh, I tend to agree with the Spieth being too good of friends. I don't mind if the other guys are friends. I don't want Spieth being friend that good of friends with with, with all the other guys though. Why? Like, I want him to be a, a psychopathic killer. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he is that though. I don't know. I think that would be that would be a total total mind fuck for these guys though. If they just like if Spieth one day just just I was talking to Big Randy about this the other day. Like, if Spieth just one day flips the switch and he's like he's just all business, just just a straight killer. Yeah, I I would. I'm not holding out for that. Like, I don't think that's. In, I don't think that's what he is. You know, I mean, he's not. I think Big Cat's the best example of being a straight killer. But and Rory's close-ish to that. But I mean, probably twenty percent of the killer that Big Cat was. But I don't know. I don't. I don't see that from Spieth at all. I think uh, he's more concerned about being likable and marketable than he is uh, really and being humble really than 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 being a straight killer out there. All right, Super Duper wants to know. Let's say, right, let's say you're on the fringe and your playing partner flicks a booger that lands directly on your ball. Uh, oh wait, where's the rest of it? There's a second part. Oh, can you remove it? Can you force him to remove it? Would that be a penalty? Can I leave him at the next tee box? I have no idea what the rule is. I'm not a rules expert at all. I think that would be. Uh... That would that would just be the rub of the green. 
right? Yeah, I would think so. So can you just put boogers on your opponent's balls? Golf balls, to clarify? I think if you I think if you got that kind of game, <laughs> you should be allowed to use it. Sefi like gamesmanship there. Yeah. <laughs> uh that was the most random question I think we got. Um did you did you have a chance to look over the questions at all? Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Tiger versus Jack at Augusta tomorrow. What is Vegas line? Who you got? Oh. I tend to think if you go back, it depends on which Augusta they're playing, right? The yeah. one from pre ninety you know, pre ninety eight, I guess, or you know, the one now with all the rough and stuff. If it's back in the day with 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 no rough and you can just hit it anywhere, you know, if and they're playing the same equipment and everything, I'd still go Tiger. But I think on today's course, I'd go Jack. Like seventy what year old Jack? Is that what the question no, is? No, no, like oh, okay. just I think just I I I read the question is who is you know both of them playing each other in their peak. Okay, because I think Porter was tweeting something about this earlier about Jack just shot uh, ninety or seventy two at Augusta. So I think it's like who would you take Jack right now or Tiger right now at Augusta? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a funny question. I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I don't even want to answer that just because then I'm going to get the wrath of all these big cat truthers. Oh, my God. There. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, 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 like I, I was telling Bacon this earlier, too. It's like, um, I just, uh, Tiger's still got ability. He just doesn't have health and reps. I mean, it's all part of the process. He, he's, he can't be Ranger Rick out there. Uh, his follow through. It's so bad. It's. I mean, the swing is a long ways off. We're not going to see him anytime soon. I was kind of happy, almost happy to see that the, the water stuff happen just so we can kind of chill on this thing for a while because it's not going to be anytime soon. He should take the whole year off. Now, after watching that, I think he should take the whole year off. Yeah. But. Uh, Tim Collimore, how would you decide the U.S. Ryder Cup captain's picks? 16 for four match play, drive, chip, and putt, or academic decathlon? <laughs> <laughs> I'd go academic decathlon. Well, yeah. as long as the guy from Billy Madison is. Uh, so you just gotta hope DJ makes it on points then. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, the academic decathlon. You gotta remember, like the the one they did in Billy Madison. Billy Madison. They they had a running element to it. And they had they had other stuff. It wasn't just like the my wife is a dirty <laughs> whore. God have mercy on your soul. That that whole thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say I would do. Uh, I feel like they, they should do that for like the last spot. It's so arbitrary how they pick it. Yeah, I mean, what's the point in having any automatic spots, really? Like, think oh, about. I love that idea. Oh, Just, think about it though. It's like, yeah, it gives the players something to, to strive for. I guess to play a lot and whatnot. But I mean. It's like, what's the point of making somebody earn a berth on points? Like, who's who's in the top eight in points that, like, wouldn't make the team normally? You know what I mean? It's basically, it's, it's if, like, somebody like Jimmy Walker wins a bunch in the winter and the early part of the season and sucks at the end of the year, you can't kick him off the team, when in actuality, you would probably want to. Well, yeah, we can go back to... What's the Ryder Cup team you always reference? Oh, six Ryder Cup team. <laughs> I'm sorry Mark to bring that up. I know wow. it's like... That was, that was that was my. I don't want to compare that to any actual real life tragedies, but that was as close as it gets to me. Well, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that would that would have been the perfect out there, you know, like like Brett Wetterich. Sorry, sorry about you, you know. <laughs> Vaughn Taylor. Oh my God, JJ Henry. I love the dude. That, I I don't hate that team. I love that team actually. What's bad is that the last year's team almost got beat as bad as those guys did. I think last year's team got one and a half more points than the 06 Ryder Cup team did. Oh, God, yuck. it's bad. Are you, are um, you, are, this isn't one of the questions we got. Um, are you, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong in saying, I think I might be a little more passionate about just the Ryder Cup from an U- overall U.S. perspective, but are you worried about the U.S. team in this regard, at this point? I'll be honest, I don't really even think about the Ryder Cup until beginning of September to like FedEx Cup. Why do I think about it so much then? I don't know. It's okay. it kind of fascinates me. I'm, I'm more, you know, I don't know, it just it doesn't get my juices flowing the same way as far out. 
See, I love it. I, I mean, you play. You grew up playing team golf too, though. I love the team golf yeah. aspect, and I just love the different, the di- the the chance that I don't know. I, I get really passionate about any U.S. team events of any sport that I used to play, like U.S. Olympic basketball. I will watch any hour of the night. You know, like I I really love watching that. Um, and yeah, so to watch like U.S. watching U.S. soccer on the national stage is is always really fun. So to have it come to golf is like full circle for me. It's a combination best of both worlds of the two things I like the most, golf and watching the U.S. compete nationally. So I get pretty passionate about it, and I'm just sick of the Euros talking so much trash, deservedly talking trash. But uh, I felt like this was going to be the year that the script flipped. But, man, U.S. golf over the last two months, three months has been rough. Oh, it's been brutal. Yeah. But I mean, maybe get that out of your system now, and you peak. You peak when you really need to peak. But I don't so know. So, are you excited for? Are you excited for Olympic golf? Um, yeah, not really. Kind of. I mean, I watch it. I think uh, I might be traveling. That's kind of during European hol- holiday time. So I'm. I'm, I'm not going to base my schedule around it. I try to base my travel around majors at least a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to make that effort for the Olympics, but and they just they could have made it so much better with a better format. But um, I heard uh, Jeff Shackford talking about it on Shack House about he said the course is really cool, which I've not heard yeah. great things about the course. So that that was actually interesting to me. Jeff's usually pretty critical of things, so I was surprised to hear that he liked the golf course. But what do you know about the golf course? From from what I've heard, I mean, just how I understand it, it's kind of this new. You know, I really like the whole concept of making it pretty playable off the tee and then, but, you know, so you can make it better for, you know, cause it's going to be a public course after, after the fact. So better for guys that are, you know, just coming out and messing around versus you also make it difficult for the, you know, lower handicap players where you got to play to a certain side of the fairway and guarantee yourself a certain angle in the green. Yeah. So, you know, more strategic golf. I'm, I'm all for that. Okay. You know, I'm sure with, with Gil Hance, I mean, it looks like a pretty flat, you know, nondescript piece of land. So, um, you know, it didn't seem like he had the best piece of land to work with, but but by all accounts, you know, Gil Hans is a stud. So yeah, what uh, I mean, do you think we're going to see a lot more guys drop out, mostly because of Zika? Yeah, I think we will. Yeah. Um, Other sports too, you think? Debacle. Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. Um, you know, like I saw that thing. I think Cast Roberto Castro tweeted it out or retweeted it. Last week with the like the Harvard yeah. medical review or something like that, I read that, but then I saw something where people were kind of rebutting that and saying that was overblown. So I don't know. Time will tell. You know. Okay. Yeah, All right, I'm gonna get you out of here. And one last question again, okay. our buddy Tim Calamore. Uh, good question. I like these kind of questions. Rank ascending order of preference: the players, the WGC match play, PGA, Masters, U.S. Open, British. Waterbury Open. I'll say them again. Players, WGC match play, and then the majors. And is this as a fan or as a player? Um, both. Okay. What would so I, like, I, I read it as a, a power rankings of what you would want to win as a player, as like notoriety. Uh, let's see here. Well, I mean, the Waterbury Open seems kind of. That was the one that. That that's, launched Happy Gilmore's it, career. It was, and that's what created this this entire golf phenomenon. I mean, yeah. What followed Happy Gilmore? It was Tiger Woods. It's not a coincidence. Exactly. Uh, I would say, I don't know. Masters and U.S. Open are kind of one A and one B for me. Um, I put the British firmly, firmly behind them, kind of on its own, but but definitely. I'm sorry. The the Open Championship. I don't want it to be Open season on. on I, I, I purposely call it the British Open now. Uh, let's see here. And then, yeah, I would say PGA, I would definitely put the players above the... i definitely put the players above the, UG, the, the WGC. Okay. I, I, I agree with your list. I would put Masters well above the U.S. Open for me. Um, but I guess, okay, from a fan's perspective or viewing perspective, does that change at all, the, 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 that, that ranking? Um... I would say maybe you put the PGA up there. Yeah. It seems like the PGA has kind of treated us to more good finishes over the last few years than, than any other tournament. 
So. Yeah, I'd have a hard time putting it above any of the other majors, though. I mean, I love watching the yeah. British Open, to be honest. I mean, I think, yeah, that's, I, think that, I like... That's definitely my favorite one. I, say, I, I, like I think the, it's Masters and British to watch. Yeah, definitely. I like watching that more, the British more than the U.S. Open. I think I agree, yeah. but... All right, man. We'll get you out of here on that one. Um, any, unless you got anything, uh, any more, uh, anything, no, just, anything left uh, in the chamber? Uh, I I got a question for you. So I yep. played a three club tournament uh, yesterday. Um, or I guess Monday actually. Uh, down in Jacksonville, like this hilarious you know, muni course with DJ and some other PGA Tour guys, and I chose three wood. Six iron, gap wedge. Okay. What three clubs would you choose? Um, I've done this. The three club we've done it up in Boyne on the on the Boyne trip. I went driver, seven iron, and sand wedge. Okay. Because um, I putted with the driver. What did you putt with? The wedge or the three wood? I started putting with the wedge and I actually switched to the six iron. Six iron, okay. When, yeah, I played really well with the six iron. But yeah, I was I was wishing I would have had a driver. I mean, I I literally like I whiffed the ball on the first tee. Like all these other guys were like, I kind of imagined Bob Barker was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> like, like it was it was the most emasculating, just just demoralizing thing I've ever been thrown the golf course. So I started to get my trad right a little bit on like the fourth or fifth hole. Nice, but nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was playing with somebody else's clubs and it was just it was a debacle but, but I guess the thinking is that you can hit the three wood out of the fairway though right if you need to but you shouldn't be that know. many I mean I invented the driver off the deck that's right? true you did invent that it's patented but I feel like you wouldn't need it that, that often like the especially three wood. in this course we played yeah. it, was, it was like 3,000 yards yeah but so. uh, questions if it's a one club tournament what do you pull uh, I'd go seven iron probably I think I'd go like five I don't what think you're get, like, I don't think seven's getting you out of any bunker that five can't get you out of or anything like that. You need, you need to cover as much distance as possible. Yeah, I think you get five iron, five iron close to a lot of holes. Yeah, when you can hit that close to two hundred yards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or if you're or if you're a golf WRX member, you hit that about two forty on the fly. So, what if you hit just what if you just pull a putter? Just hit a the hood, putter off the tee. Just a hooded putter. Just flight it. You could fly a putter like two two forty. It would like. break though very quickly. I'm pretty sure. All right, that's too far. We're talking about hooded putters <laughs> at this point. So. Sounds good. All right, Tron. Appreciate the time, buddy. Good time. Uh, we'll do Thanks, it Sally. sometime around U.S. Open. I'm sure. Later, man. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!